Welcome to Health Matters at Sargent College. The mission of Sargent College is to advance, preserve, disseminate, and apply knowledge in the health and rehabilitation sciences. BU's Sargent College strives to create an environment that fosters critical and innovative thinking to best serve the healthcare needs of society. Each episode of Health Matters at Sargent College will include faculty, students, or alumni who will share their knowledge with you. I'm Karen Jacobs, the Associate Dean of Digital Learning and Innovation at Sargent College, and I'll be your moderator for each episode. Welcome to Health Matters at BU Sargent College. I'm so delighted you could be here for this episode. And I have been looking forward to this episode because we're flipping it. Um, my dear friend, Katie Riley from the American Occupational Therapy Association is actually going to interview me. We'll have a conversation back and forth too. So Katie, welcome. Thank you, Karen. It's such an honor to be a part of this podcast. I've listened to you for so long, and I can't believe that we're actually recording one together. This is wonderful. It's really great because we've known each other since 2011 and have been working together um, on backpack uh, safety campaigns, promoting the profession of occupational therapy, and just helping occupational therapy practitioners and students better understand how to promote occupational therapy so that everybody understands um, what the profession's about and its distinct value. Yes, and Backpack Awareness Day is one of our campaigns that has really taken off in, in the years that we've worked together, Karen, and um, it's just so great to have a campaign. It's important for public relations work at AOTA because it really explains to the public and to consumers, you know, the value of occupational therapy, how OT practitioners think about the world, um, and all of the wonderful solutions to help participate in daily living. That's great, and so, you know, we're going to focus most of what we're doing now about National School Backpack um, Safety Awareness Day. And that started in 1998, and it has a personal story. Um, at that time, I was the president of AOTA, American Occupational Therapy Association. And I remember um, my two youngest children, uh, RL and Josh, decided they didn't want to go on the bus to middle school. So they asked me to drive them. And I remember driving and we got to their bus stop and I just turned um, to look at the kids at the bus stop and they were fooling around with each other. And one kid just in play poked another kid and his backpack was so heavy that he fell backwards and he looked like a turtle on his back. You know, his arms and his legs were you know, moving. He was trying to get back up. And I looked at my son and daughter uh, in the rear view mirror and I said, how heavy is your backpack? And I remember my son putting an L on his forehead. I think, I didn't think at the time I knew what that meant. Now I know it meant loser um, that I hadn't picked up that their backpacks were so heavy. And so it alerted me to an issue that I knew as occupational therapy practitioners we could address. And so I reached out to a local backpack company in New England, LL Bean, to see if they were interested in collaborating with us. And that's how our backpack initiative started. We broke away from LL Bean shortly after that, but we began to get messaging out 
um, to pack it light and wear it right and help students, their families, teachers, administrators know that heavy backpacks can be a problem. That's right, Karen. And over the years, we have worked together closely to create lots of different resources um, that are available on AOTA's website to go um, forth and arm OT practitioners with lots of resources that they can share with the public. Um, a lot of um, events that were happening um, up until now. So why don't we start, can you tell me um, a little bit about how um, events for this Awareness Day typically happen? Like most events happening in 2020, unfortunately, the plans for this one have had to sh shift quite a bit. Um, but I'm kind of curious what typically happens on this day and we'll get into um, the different angle that we're taking a little bit later on. Yeah, so typically um, an occupational therapy practitioner or student will reach out to a local school and say, could I have some time where we might weigh backpacks, provide some information that the uh, children can take home to help them understand again how to pack their backpacks on how to wear them correctly and how to carry them and um, their backpacks. And so, you know, um, in my um, college, I build this into my course. And so my students um, in September will actually create a skit and it has all the backpack safety points built into the skit. And we go over to a local elementary school, do the skit, and then we take some time to help the students adjust their backpacks. We weigh them. Um, we give them some sheets, um, all from AOTA, OT Rex to color and, and different crossword puzzles with um, important you know, points about backpack safety. And other people are doing this in, they were doing it in malls, in bookstores, places where uh, people would buy um, backpacks. Again, just getting the message out um, about packing the backpack correctly and wearing it correctly. So as you know, we're in 2020. Back to school preparations look much different this year in the era of COVID-19. Um, instead of focusing on shopping for school clothes, supplies, and backpacks, parents and guardians are navigating thoughts and feelings about the health and safety of their children, you know, things that we've taken for granted for a very long time. Um, as many school systems across the nation are selecting to offer virtual or hybrid options for classroom instruction, parents and guardians are wondering how to support their students and how to keep them on track and actually learn something during this unprecedented time. Um, creating a virtual learning workspace in the home is a great way to get started, but many parents, myself included, are left wondering what is the most important element of that workspace at home? How do we support our students and how we can do it without breaking the bank? Yeah, Katie, that's really, those are really important questions. It's, first of all, it's important to find a space that is their own space. And that's for the students and also for parents who might be working at home. You wanna select an area of the home that the student can call their own home base, which can be solely used for academic instruction. Um, you wanna select a desk or a workspace that doesn't need to be cleaned up every night. I mean, you know, if you're using the kitchen table, typically you've got to move the books off, the tablet off to have dinner. But if you can find a space that the child can keep their work at, that would be ideal. So the location should be in a, not a high traffic area so that distractions are limited. Um, you want to have multi-spaces, again, are okay um, if you're able to keep it set up and keep whatever 
the student is using um, for school there um, throughout the day. You might want to use a desk for writing and creative tasks, but allow a quiet reading or research to be done, perhaps in an alternate area, like a playroom, a bedroom, or even outside, if you can uh, limit the distractions. Nature is proven to aid in learning and improving mood. And it's important to seek an area with natural light. Um, I'm in my own um, uh, virtual or, or remote uh, classroom um, workspace. I'm going to be teaching remotely in the fall. And I've set it up so I can see nature out the window. I have a plant here. Um, just having a little bit of time when you're feeling like you're outdoors is important. Even adding a fish tank to the space can be helpful. No matter how great the space is, it's really important to encourage every 20 minutes to take a break if feasible and, and to go outside. Again, that fresh air is really important. Those are great tips, Karen, and it kind of like real estate, location, 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 right? Yeah, for sure. Sure not, make sure they're not distracted and, and that um, they have natural light and, you know, access to taking a break. Uh, my kids actually started virtual learning today, and I was really impressed with the number of breaks that they gave them, um, and it, it really made it much more bearable. So it works for us adults too, right? <laughs> oh, it sure does. And, you know, sometimes as adults, we need to have a timer to tell us to, to take a break because we get into flow and we get, lose track of time. And so there are timers out there or just use you know, your smartphone uh, to set a time and to take that break every 20 minutes. And when I mean take a break, it doesn't mean, okay, I'll stop typing. It means get out of your chair. If you're standing, walk around. You know, Many people work from um, a sit-stand uh, desk um, at their home. They've created really, um, I think interesting ways of working, but stop, stop that work, take a break, do a little bit self-care. Two to three minutes of this break can do wonders for your mood. Absolutely. And we found that something that was very helpful, we just kind of learned on the fly today, was setting timers so that even if it's a five minute break, you're not watching the clock the entire time, wondering when you need to get back on. Um, so yeah, that's, that's great. No, it's really, that's, that's a great um, strategy to do. I hope our listeners think about that. Mm -hmm. So for those who are getting started in creating a workstation for their students, um, or if school has already started, what tips do you have about the workstation itself? So you wanna select um, a flat table or desk that's located near an electric outlet and proper lighting. Um, if you're near a window, make sure that the computer monitor is perpendicular to the window because you don't want to have glare coming in on the screen or shadows on a video conferencing platform. That's really important. And for some people, being able to do that may not be easy. So you may want to pull down the shade and make sure you have proper light in the room. And sometimes during the day, you may even want to have a task light on the table. You want to start with a chair that's comfortable for your student and it's okay if your student alternates between sitting on a bed or a couch but remind them to change and vary their postures often um, being comfortable is critical one of the things that's important with a chair and a lot of times kids are sitting in chairs that may be a little too big for them you want to make sure that they sit back and this is for you too katie myself included 
Sit back at the chair, make sure your back is on the back of the chair, and then figure out what can support your feet if they're dangling. And one of the things that I discovered, I love yoga and I have yoga blocks. So I put the yoga blocks under my feet. Um, and that has been fabulous in, in a footrest for me um, because you don't want your feet dangling. So again, wherever seating the student uses, whatever seating the student uses, make sure that it's comfortable, a very comfortable environment. Again, if it's a couch, make sure the student's back is against the back of the couch, feet flat on the floor. Again, use a footstool. Yoga blocks work great for me. You can curl up lying in a bed too if the student's head is supported by a pillow. And I've actually seen, um, and I, I, don't, I do it myself, but not that often, is um, I might have my knees up and have my um, notebook computer actually supported um, by the back of my knees. And occasionally that might be a very comfortable um, position than sitting at a desk. Right, those tips definitely make sitting at a workstation a little bit less daunting when, when you're given options um, and can move around and, and make sure you're not just at the same place all day. Um, as an adult who's working from home due to COVID-19, AOTA employees have been home um, since mid-March to help prevent the spread of coronavirus. Um, so I know that setting boundaries is important when you're working with multiple people in the home, um, other students, other you know, siblings, that kind of thing. So what tips do you have for a student and their families on setting boundaries so that the students in their home can be successful? That is such a good question. And I talk about it a lot with my friends um, and colleagues as well, because just like you, many colleagues were working from home and their children were going to school from home. So consider creating a flip chart that has signage for your student to indicate whether or not they can be bothered. For example, if a clothespin is on green, that means it's okay to talk. And yellow might mean come in, but quietly. And red means that the student needs complete quiet because maybe they're on a video chat or can't be disturbed. Maybe they're reading something and they're intensely you know, um, focused on that. So that's sort of a signage that you could have for your kids, but you could do the same thing. Parents should make sure that the computer setting have controlled access to prevent kids from viewing materials they should not, and also from getting distracted from, you know, working on whatever educational materials they need to do that day. So that's really important. So we don't wanna leave kids alone on the computer without making sure that these um, controlled access is set. And we know that routines um, are important, just like not getting distracted um, with kids of any age. So when it comes to learning, what are some things that parents and guardians should keep in mind when it comes to virtual learning and, keep, and maintaining routines? Routines are so important. And you know, I know during COVID, um, that has been so helpful for my family, my grandkids, my children, and myself. Um, I wake up in the morning and one of the first things um, that I do is uh, set an intention and look for a quote that inspires me. And then next, I do yoga. So that kind of routine has been so helpful um, during COVID and I'm hoping to continue um, after COVID. Mm -hmm. So while you can set up a desk for your student, you can't expect them to sit there all day. So a 
schedule, creating a schedule for the week that has routines such as reading, a reading time each day after lunch or math each morning. So the student knows what to expect. So one of the things that you might do with, with staying home is saying, okay, you're going to be in some video classes. Um, if the weather's not, let's go on a family walk so that you're taking a break the same time that your child is as well. So they know what to expect. And these routines and these schedules, I recommend creating them you know, at the beginning of the week or taking a look at what you've created for the week and the night before, see if there's any limitations to being able to follow that routine. Those are really important. And again, utilize the workstation when the highest concentrations are needed. So in the schedule, you might wanna say, okay, um, it's Johnny's time to be in this quiet space. And then, you know, again, if you're sharing a space, you may have to say it's mom's turn uh, to be in the space and, and we'll have somebody else, maybe if it's nice outside, sit in a comfortable patio chair. Um, creative time can occur in a beanbag chair or play space. Um, and I know students that really enjoy um, working in a beanbag chair. So again, as long as you change your postures often and also follow a routine and make sure you stick with it, you know, I think you can't go wrong. These are some wonderful tips that I plan on applying to my own life as well. And I'm so fortunate that we have you as the spokesperson on this campaign um, so that we can share this with others. Now, we've gone over a lot of wonderful tips about how to set up the workspace, um, how to be comfortable, and how to keep kids on task. Um, but what are some of the hazards that parents and guardians should be on the lookout for? You know, I'm glad you asked this. And occasionally I have this happen with myself. Um, people are calling these notebook computers, laptop computers. Well, they shouldn't be on your lap all the time because they can produce heat and it can get especially hot um, when it's resting on your student or your lap. So be sure to place the computer in a well-ventilated area and try to avoid having it on your lap for an extended period of time. Um, even, again, looking down at the notebook computer, um, your head angle can be, um, can make be uncomfortable as well. So one of the things, if it's possible to do, is to make your notebook computer into the monitor and get an external keyboard and mouse and lift your notebook computer up so that it's at eye level, the monitor. Now, again, we've talked a lot about students and ourselves needing to move around during the day. Um, and you want to encourage breaks. And um, I love, uh, some of the breaks that teachers are creatively doing with their students. You know, they have um, things like um, uh, getting up and, and rolling dice and coming up with whatever the dice say that that's um, a certain type of, of jumping around or exercise or, or taking turns to um, create maybe a yoga pose that's of an animal. But kids need to get up, we need to get up and move around and take breaks and get out into the fresh air. And you wanna um, rotate between different areas of the home as well for doing these kinds of, you know, wiggling around, you know, get your sillies out as we would say to younger kids. <laughs> now, eye strain is prevalent 
um, when we're using computers extensively, like we have been with the remote um, teaching and learning. So we want to also encourage these breaks from the screen, and I mentioned this at the beginning, every 20 minutes, but you want to look away as well. You want to look away at least 20 feet to adjust your gaze. And for younger kids, what we love to have them do is I spy out the window. And you know, I actually do some I spy myself where I have my um, little office set up. There's a hummingbird feeder. And so when I take my break, I'll take a few minutes and it's about 20 feet away uh, to look at that hummingbird feeder to give my eyes a little bit of a break as well. Um, and to look at something in nature that's just beautiful. So Katie, we are wrapping up now. Um, my phone actually told me it was time. Um, and it's been a joy to have you here. Um, I loved flipping um, you interviewing me. But can you share some more tips from AOTA? Um, because I'm sure people would like to learn more. Yes, so um, AOTA in preparation for the 2020-2021 school year has created a 29-page decision guide um, with tips for returning to school during COVID-19. Um, it's a fantastic resource and it covers everything from mental wellness to um, distance learning, um, stigma and discrimination, all kinds of different things um, having to do with COVID-19 and returning to school. You can find that by visiting www.aota.org slash back to school. And for more on Backpack Day, you can visit www.aota.org slash backpack. Thank you so much, Karen, for having oh, me. Oh, you're welcome. This was so much fun. And September 16, 2020 is National School Backpack Safety Awareness Day. Um, every year hosted by the American Occupational Therapy Association. And even with um, COVID, people are still packing their backpacks. And in fact, with your child being at home, think about having their pack, pack their backpack for the day. Um, you can have them the night before put in anything that they need for their remote class for the day, even their snacks. Um, so that we get back into a routine and it feels like we're back in, in school again with our classmates. So Katie, thanks again for being on Health Matters at BU Sargent College. Thank you, Karen.